Hello, 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 guys. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. Uh, I think this week I'll be getting less abuses because I'm doing a midweek podcast. Normally, I get uh, I get trolled for not doing enough on the weekends. But we have a fantastic podcast today with um, with Suhak Shukla, uh, who's the executive director of the Hindu American Foundation, a uh, lawyer by profession. And I don't troll me, Suhak, for this, but I'm going to quote your Twitter uh, timeline. Uh, you oh, are boy. a Durba freak, just like I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah, especially when two Gujaratis are doing a podcast, whatever it is, we have to talk about Garba. I mean, it's... 100% agree. (laughs) Yeah, but this podcast is not about that for everyone like hitting the end podcast or end broadcast button. Uh, We're here to talk about a uh, conference that's happening uh, called... Well, not really talking about the conference, but we're here to talk about the the agenda that might be peddled, uh, that we think is pedal being peddled through the conference, and then the universities that are being that were listed as the sponsors, and basically what all has happened about the conference and uh, last month how it's had us panned out. So Suhag has been at the forefront of the efforts to you know raise many valid questions about the conference. Um, many universities have responded. Uh, without further ado. Welcome to Mind Podcast, Suhag. I haven't introduced the conference for specific reason because I want you to talk a little bit about it and I'll ease you into it. Yeah. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, yes. Yeah, so this is a, I, I don't even like to call it a conference because quite honestly, it's a political event. Uh, yeah. A conference uh, should be true to the goals of academic inquiry or academic integrity, at least, where mm-hmm. you are encouraging open inquiry, you're supporting viewpoint diversity, you're modeling how to engage with different perspectives, and you're inviting different theories and and different um, perspectives, different scholars to the table. And instead, you have an event um, that is first and foremost, showcasing controversial politicians and activists from India. Uh, And so, they have the title Dismantling Global Hindutva, but then they have activists and politicians from India. We don't know who else is going to be participating. Uh, Maybe they had one European um, scholar activist, but you know, they, any sort of conference that starts with the word dismantling (laughs) should make any thinking person like take pause that why are academics dismantling something as opposed to discussing something, you know? And then you raise a very important point because any conference is about discussion of ideas, right? When you Mm -hmm. dismantling for anything, that just means activists, activists, activists. And there's nothing wrong with activism. Exactly. Pose as academics or vice versa. I have a huge problem because what are you doing? Are you doing your activism or are you having a serious discussion? Because a serious discussion does involve getting various points of views, getting diverse opinions. And first of all, having knowledge of what the term represents and what you're discussing in the first place. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of points that you brought up there. First is just terminology. You know, they have put out a particular definition of Hindutva And um, it's peppered with uh, fun words like fascists and supremacist. Uh, I, unless we really are talking about, say, the Nazi party um, or or even Mussolini, I mean, fascism has a very specific definition. And if you're going to use that definition, then you better 
at least have the the points, the comparisons and contrasts to make the argument that that's what you are, um, that you're that that's what you're proposing, or that's what you, those are the facts that you plug into a theory that you are convinced by. Uh, but that's not the case. That's one definition. Then you have Hindus, um, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's um, you know through articles or blogs, whether it's just in everyday living room conversations, whether it's the Supreme Court of India, you have a multitude of definitions of Hindutva. So which Hindutva are you dismantling? For many people, from what I'm reading, um, you know, and the, the types of overwhelming response that I've been getting um, is that Hindutva means Hinduness. Okay, well, that's what it means to you. So you can then imagine that when uh, someone sees the title of dismantling global Hindutva, how someone is seeing that as a direct attack yeah. on their ability to feely, freely express um, their religious or spiritual identity. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one uh, problem. Then the second problem is that they grasp onto this one and their definition of uh, that they've agreed upon um, without in a vacuum, essentially a definition of Hindutva. Then they go on to define Hinduism, which at least from looking at, and I, you know, HAF just released, um, we had come uh, into our hand, we got into our hands a private email um, with some of the names when they were recruiting different uh, departments, um, these scholar activists to have this conference that was going to be mind blowing. Um, but, you know, in that you're not going to find any Department of Religious Studies. So then, then why are they defining Hinduism, which they do, um, they define Hinduism as continuously under contestation, contradictory, and rightly been critiqued for all for the deep inequities in Indian society. So, um, then what are they gonna talk about at this conference? Many of the deep inequities in Indian society, but no, 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 this is not um, against Hinduism. This is not against Hindus. We're just talking about yeah. Hindutva, right? So and my, and my question is if these are not department of religion or not experts on Hinduism, you know, what, what wrong have the lawyers and the engineers and the doctors done? Also include them now. Why <laughs> invite those departments? Right. So I mean, since since anyone and every I don't understand what gives people who are in some XYZ department of South Asian studies the authority to talk on this. it's it's the strangest thing. And it's not our perspective uh, to ask someone what their belief system is, but neither mm -hmm. is it theirs. So if someone feels strongly about them, you know, be, be, being like a certain term as a part of their belief system or their religion or so forth, let them speak about it, right? Who gives the, and, and another thing, and I have to ask you this, so I was looking through the list of the people there and most of them are professional Indian activists, right? If you are mm -hmm. doing, um, but the sponsors or the co-sponsors listed are the in, like American universities, right? So yeah. how do they not get like many Indian American voices and things like that? And how do they end up getting activists from India? Like it's right, just exactly. And especially because this is some supposed global threat, yeah. right? Okay. I mean, when you make an issue, when you try to cast an issue as being global, you are suggesting, and, and you can look at their about us, 
they yeah. are talking about a, a movement, a, mm -hmm. a, a political movement in India that apparently is spreading throughout the West and it's dangerous in India. And therefore, logically, what they are trying to suggest is that it's dangerous here in America as well. And who are the proponents of this? Hindus in America. What percentage of the US population do we make? A even smaller percentage yeah. of 1.2% of the population. So watch out for this micro minority because they're dangerous. And then let's bolster our conference with some resources, including the Hindutva harassment field manual, where, you know, well, just real quick, that we as professors who are entrusted to raise the next generation of thinkers, of academics, of policymakers, that we're going to actually start uh, making making students suspicious of any Hindu student who might raise a question about inaccuracies in the way Hinduism is portrayed in the media or textbooks. We are going to raise questions about any Hindu student that might want to make some sort of thoughtful argument about ongoing policies in India that might remotely be benign to positive uh, towards the current government. Those people, these professors are saying, not those people, those students, mm. these professors are saying, mm. are dangerous. And here's a form that you can fill out to rat them out. Here are you know, best practices that you can avoid the harassment and the dangers that they pose to you. Mm. What does that do to the Hindu American student? Even if they know nothing about it, they could knowingly or unknowingly say something yeah. But these professors have put out a field manual that says if they say anything that sounds remotely like this, they're likely Islamophobic, they're likely, likely casteist, they're likely anti-LGBT. You better watch out for them. They are inherently bigoted and dangerous. That's the message that these professors are sending. And for the institutions that hire them, they should understand the type of liability they're taking on. Absolutely. And it's 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 kind of shocking like this is happening. If you look at their about us, all they talk, they I mean they're they're talking about demonetization, economics, mm -hmm. they're talking about like agrarian agriculture. Now uh, you can be opposed to any particular policy of the government. You can question them, you can yeah. say politically, and I mean that's what free speech is all about, that's what democratic dissent is all about. But how does that translate into this whole dismantling global Hindu thing? I, I, I have no idea. And it's it's quite um, it's quite funny. But um looking at well it, it's because to them like I said, we let's go back to the definition of Hinduism. Hinduism is a, you know, has been rightfully critiqued for social inequities in India. So one religion in all of India has led to all these inequity, inequities or inequality, not secular economic policy, not colonialism, not post-colonialism, um, not globalization, not uh, greed, <laughs> not neoliberal politics, not any of that stuff, but mm -hmm. Hinduism is rightfully critiqued for social inequities in India. It's, it's unbelievable what um, what they're believing in. But 
this leads gives me a segue into an interesting point so I, that all of you guys have been raising with the Hindu American Foundation. Many people, uh, you know, on Twitter and so forth as well about certain universities uh, that you guys wrote to. And then many people wrote to, I mean, some 650,000 emails or something. Actually, more than that, because, yeah. uh, well, essentially, we kind of the system um, collapsed. <laughs> I have to think of it as like someone that was on a treadmill and it's running faster and faster and faster and faster. And then finally, it's like, I'm done. We have to figure out a better way to do this. Um, we had close to a million messages. Um, so, I mean, tens of thousands of, 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 you know, well, a million messages that was, it was to 111 recipients, 100 million messages generated in a matter of 24 hours. Um, this, I have not seen this sort of response from the community ever. Ever. And this is from every, every walk of life, people who span the political spectrum, span a spectrum of their familiarity with um, Hindu teachings or traditions or their involvement in, in the Hindu community as opposed to the broader Indian community. I mean, it, it really has been unprecedented. And I think that this is just me, you know, my pop psychology. I am not a psychologist. I'm a lawyer by training, but, um, you know, it, it, I, I just do like to observe different things and having been in this space for 17 years now to see, you know, what are the things that make people tick? But for us, we're, we're inheritors of a wisdom tradition. Knowledge mm -hmm. is so central to our tradition. So here's my hot take, um, pop psych hot take. So, when you have a community that has largely seen its success as a result of education, education has been that vehicle. Um, and then you have 40 universities, many of which you might be, you know, so many people in our community are alumni of mm -hmm. promoting something that is so partisan that potentially places some sort of target on the backs of now our children who are now attending these institutions, I think it struck a chord. Um, yeah, it struck a chord really deep. I think it was also like, there was a breaking point and this might have been the straw that broke the camel's back because we've been like, you know, uh, facing with this, you know, a certain one-sided attack from various departments and so And I think, where they put the names of these 45 universities and so forth, um, three and four, I think four of them or three of them, if I'm, uh, have already written back that they have nothing to do with uh, these, right? Correct. Yeah. So, um, I, so, you know, we launched a, a letter. Well, first we wrote directly to right. uh, the president's provost and um, public relations staff of the 41 universities. And within, I'd say the first day, we had heard from at least three that said, we as an institution are not associated with um, with this conference. I think it was Dalhousie, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, um, University of Massachusetts, Boston, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think it was Princeton. Yeah. I got a note from USC, uh, University of Southern California that said that they were going to be looking into it. And then we also noticed that three logos were taken off the website. And that was University of Pennsylvania, University of Washington, and University of California. Now, University of California, there were three um, that had signed on. It was UC Santa Cruz, 
UC Berkeley and um, UC San Diego. So those are the ones we heard back from. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, I think it was maybe yesterday or perhaps the day before yesterday. No, yesterday. I'm, I'm losing track of days. Sorry about that. But no <laughs> yesterday, the website was down for a long period of time. Yeah. And then the next time it was up, all those colorful logos um, were gone. And then um, there was far more specificity in their language um, in saying that departments and uh, centers and departments from the following universities um, uh, are, are co-sponsoring, right? This is um, Suhag's tweet. And then if you go to their website, this is, this is how they basically wrote it, centers and departments, essentially. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I don't want to give too much footage to their website. I'm sorry. Right. But you know <laughs> yeah. what 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 the logos did, yeah. and, and we do need to go back to their early promotion. Yeah. They were um, I mean, there was some false advertising going on. You know, the idea when you just post university logos, which Asim, my husband, is on faculty at Penn, they have a lot of strict rules on when, where, and how you can use an official logo. Because when a logo appears, we have the same thing. Yeah, Someone absolutely. can't just stick their HAF logo on any event. Mm -hmm. um, because even if you don't endorse all the viewpoints that might be expressed there, it yeah. still reflects on you. And it may still suggest some sort of su uh, support or endorsement. So that's what was most shocking to us. And that's how we honed in on Hey, we need to get clarification. It cannot be that all of these universities um, that they are sponsoring something that's so you know for the average person. If look, if you're not a follower or an observer of India, Indian politics, and all of that stuff, you may not recognize right off the bat mm -hmm. what this is about. Um, but to me, this actually signals an internal governance failure. Uh, because you have rogue departments brazenly disregarding the policies that most institutions have. Um, and so if I were a university president or administrator, I would look into this to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And I think th there's another big thing, big picture thing that we're missing out as well, that is this to score an academic point or is this for them to score a political point back in India that, oh, we managed to do this with like 500 professors around? And I think it seems to be more of the latter because there are yeah. things that are being said. And I think you tweeted something about there's nothing like Hindu phobia. There's only Hindu supremacy and stuff like that. Yes. And uh, I mean, it, it's ridiculous things, right, that are being tweeted or said under the guise of this conference. And if that is a sort of a preview of... Uh, things to come, then I mean, I can't, one can only imagine the kind of things that I'm, and right. people have been speaking out before, like on certain issues and stuff. So we are quite familiar with their views. So if the, it's an extension of those, and I don't want to attribute the motives to anyone, but if it's an extension of those views, then it's just much of the same. And not right. Really well, exactly. You know, so some people, um, when they have responded to me on Twitter. I, I don't live in India. I wasn't born in India. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, my experience of India is on my visits there. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to have, I don't have an experience of um, being part 
of what life is like there. So um, some people have said, well, you know, these viewpoints are losing currency here. And so they're trying to bring them there um, to, you know, maybe one last hurrah or see where they might be able to get, um, you know, legitimization or whatever it is. But the problem is, I mean, for a, an academic, and I'm assuming that she's based in India, um, to say there's no such thing as Hindu phobia um, and only Hindu supremacy, I'd like her to go to Afghanistan right now and talk to the remaining 400 families who I believe, I've read mixed reports, 50 were, made it to the airport, but then I read other reports where the Taliban were not letting them leave. There's one priest I've seen a story of who is going to refuse to leave because his family has taken care of a temple for generations. Let's talk to them about whether Hindu phobia exists. Let's talk to a young Hindu girl in the Sindh province of Pakistan who is, you know, what she has written in her future is a high likelihood of being kidnapped, forcibly converted, and married off to a man probably two to three times her age or being brought in as a second or third wife or sold into sex slavery. Tell that to a young kid in Alabama whose teacher is putting pressure on him and saying, hey, are you sure you know that the path that your parents follow after school will say things like this, that, you know, if you find Jesus, you might just have some hope of being saved. Tell me Hindu phobia doesn't exist. Like talk to all of them. Yeah. And, and even in India, you tell me a Kashmiri Pandit who's lost their ancestral home. And that too, with the Indian government back then just standing mm -hmm. silently, not saying a thing. And then 30 years pass and there's been no change until recently. And you're gonna tell me Hindu phobia doesn't exist? These are all instances in which individuals or Hindus as a group have been attacked yeah. solely because they're Hindu. They're Hindus, absolutely, absolutely. So, so even in, in fact, when they talk about uh, privilege, that's making that statement that Hindu phobia doesn't exist comes from a position of privilege when they did not have to face these things as a minority group. So maybe when they do talk about privilege and understanding the you know situation about it, they, they should probably look at their own privilege of when they're absolutely. Yeah. But but part of the you know, I'm glad you bring that up because that whole that whole structure, right, of privilege and, you know, someone who's kind of a per perpetual oppressor and the perpetually oppressed, mm -hmm. you know, it, while it, 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 it ends up being nonsensical when you really start looking at individual stories and, and the agency that each individual has. Yeah. Personally, I would not want to be told that I'm going to be perpetually oppressed. I don't find that to be um, really hopeful yeah. <laughs> or optimistic in being no, able absolutely. to then come out of it, right? But they take the sloppy application of it in the Indian context of, okay, well, who's the majority? Well, overall, sure, Hindus, but then you have to look at different states to see, well, are they really a majority here or yeah. is someone else a majority? But regardless that you take the Hindu as the perpetual oppressor. And then now let's take that calculation 
and force fit it onto less than 1.2% of the American population and tell them they are going to be the perpetual oppressor. No, and I mean, the reason I, and I, I agree with you, I'm not like comparing analogies and stuff. The reason I bring it up is because it is, it comes from that position of ignorance that what yeah. my situation is in the city, everyone else is facing the same thing. And if they're not, they're lying. They're not lying. It's their experience. One, you can argue and debate, but of course, that's the one thing that's missing from this conference or any right. conference. No, exactly. And, you know, I mean, they're they're portraying things like Hindu Americans seeking accuracy in the way Hinduism is taught in school textbooks. When you have a Hinduism that is completely divorced from the lived realities of Hindu Americans in this country. Absolutely. How is that supremacist? How is that fascist? I, I just, you know, but they won't say the same thing about any other religious community that's doing the same thing. We work in coalition with yeah. Muslims, with Jews, with Buddhists, with secular humanists to ensure that the way these topics are taught are taught accurately. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to venture into history. I think there's so much more that needs to be done. I don't think that we even know what our history was outside of the European version of it. Mm -hmm. and, and the same, right? And the same can be said about so many other colonized in countries. Fact, and in fact, I would argue the reason why we know a colonized version of history is because those that wrote the history only viewed it from the colonized, colonized lens. It's, it's right. It is it is rooted in those textbooks that were written, and maybe there's a need to re-examination of those textbooks or an alternative view where a debate can happen. But it, it's yep. it's ironic as you and I, people that they they talk about are talking about debate, and they who are actually holding a debate are refusing to have any on their conference. A, a debate requires two people and two opposing viewpoints. Absolutely, uh, but opposing viewpoints are not invited because they are fascist or supremacist. Yeah, or they might actually uh, might actually show them them a mirror. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but but moving to the last part of our discussion, so yeah, uh, you know you have to run. Um, moving forward, right? We have about two weeks, two weeks, three weeks away from this. Um, how do you see this panning out? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to tell you to make any assumptions or hedge any bets or something like sure, that. Sure, sure. We have seen more sort of response, more outrage from the Hindu American community globally than than we let's face it than we expected, and this is for the better. Like people have yeah. written in. I mean, um, clearly the response to the emails was more than AJF expected. That's why the website. Yeah. <laughs> did, like, Absolutely. So. Do you think that more universities are going to come out? You think, and and could it be that a lot of universities just had no idea about what was taking place or where their logos were being used? Uh, look, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt um, yeah. and and say that most of these universities didn't know. Mm -hmm. But for those universities that have responded, um, whether it's deans, um, whether it's you know department heads who are saying we support academic freedom mm -hmm. and uh, we uh, and this is an academic conference. Mm -hmm. I think they are putting their reputations on the line because they have clearly not done their due diligence. If this is an academic conference, again, why is the star lineup filled with politicians and activists? 
if it's an academic conference, why aren't diverse viewpoints being invited? If it's an academic conference, why are scholar activists labeling anyone who disagrees with their opinion fascists and supremacists? Mm -hmm. That to me does not reflect any level of, of academic scholarship. So that's one thing that, you know, to, to, that they should know that they are on record supporting, even if it's just their departments, supporting a partisan event. As far as what's going to happen, I know I've heard, I don't know how many conferences now are in the works of being planned. And that's great because I've said this before and I'll say it again. The hate speech is free speech and the response to hate speech should just be more speech. So if people feel moved to have those conferences or to even have living room chats about this topic and to make young people aware and young people are aware. I mean, those who are in college, some of the most fantastic content has come from um, college Instagram handles. Mm -hmm. Hindu on campus did a huge expose on the backgrounds and some of the um, Hindu phobia and anti-Hindu rhetoric from these, you know, star lineup speakers. Um, and uh, there's, you know, American Hindu, Dharmic justice. I mean, there's so many out there who are doing a fantastic job. But the job really begins at home as parents to, you know, you don't have to, and I don't think you should impose a particular, oh, this is the only way, because then you're being the same as what these professors are doing. But let's let's enable our kids with the skills to be thoughtful, to be discerning. This is what our tradition's about. And um, to be able to wade through information and know what has more credibility and what doesn't, and to be able to then speak out against this with confidence. But if these professors are allowed to continue as they are, I am afraid that things like this field manual are going to silence our students. And so we need to be there to support them and to join them in advocacy against this type of silencing. And I think the students are speaking up not only because they feel passionate, because they know the dangers of a one-sided yeah. narrative or of where if they don't agree and the professor tells them that you must talk about this, the dangers of that uh, theory. And the irony of this all is if they're so afraid of having five diverse voices in an entire conference that just tells you who the little liberals are and if they claim yeah. to be liberals they better they better show some spine and actually have uh, actually have the courage to face diverse viewpoints and then right. absolutely uh, i just uh, just put one more shout out and that's to hindu student council that they've been doing a fantastic job at rutgers um you know there's a, an example of um, Hindu students coming together and um, and speaking out in the conference that they had on Hindu phobia. That's another thing that these folks like to do is deny Hindu phobia. As, right? so. as a previous member of the Hindu Students Council at the University of Houston, I give two thumbs up. That all that. right, Where all right. Yes. So I, was, I helped. Yeah, I helped start the UF chapter. I was already in law school, so I didn't wasn't really involved, but just in drawing up papers and things. So yes, I was I was I was I was in their event management and publicity. But it was it was fantastic. So yeah. Awesome. Um, it's a great, uh, I think one or two years, I think, when I was involved with that. But uh, I, I wouldn't say when, because that would be mean confirming how old I was when I went to university. <laughs> it was, let's say it was a long time ago. But, 
But appreciate you, Suhag, giving us the time. I mean, and thank you for all the efforts. Uh, guys, please follow her, follow HAF, follow a lot of our accounts who are doing some great work. Write to us, comment us, comment to us, tweet at us to see if you want us to cover any more topics or any interesting things that you might have seen. And who knows, something might come out of it. So thank this you. This was okay. fantastic. Yeah. Thanks great. for having me. Yeah, we'll be back next week with more guys. Till then, it's goodbye. Thanks. <laughs>